0: New Orleans from the world-famous city of New Orleans it's the black and blue report starring Sean Kelly producer Dan D-dub in the black and blue orchestra yeah. and the bench warmers today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints the New Orleans Pelicans and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B,
1: here's Sean Kelly. How goes the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report? We hope this finds you well, and greetings this morning from Los Angeles, California. Sean Kelly back with you. From the Pelicans road trip out west, we'll be traveling to Portland later today where the Pelicans will resume play on Saturday night against the Red Hot Trailblazers. We have a great show for you today. The voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, will stop by. So will the voice of the Carolina Panthers. That's Mick Mixon. Those two, of course, helping us get ready for action on Sunday in Carolina. We'll also talk about the big New Orleans Bowl coming up between Tulane and Louisiana Lafayette. Jay Cicero of the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation is our guest for the first time. He will also talk about the upcoming NBA All-Star game and what has transpired over the last 25 years of the GNO-SF. Jay Cicero is a great guest today. A little bit later, we'll get some Cam Newton sound for you from his thoughts post-practice yesterday in Carolina and a whole lot more. So a very good Thursday for you. hope it finds you well and hope you'll spread the word today about our program. You can tell your friends and other fellow Pelicans and Saints fans that they can find this, of course, free of charge, on their desktop at NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans.com, on iTunes, and, of course, through the two-team apps where our numbers are growing and growing. That's the Pelicans app and the Saints app. So a lot to cover on today's show. It certainly will be a good one. Tomorrow we have even more for you, including Jim Corbett from USA Today to help us preview the NFL weekend. All right, out here in Los Angeles, it is uh, the day after uh, a big night for the Pelicans. They lost to the Clippers last night. That's the tough news, 108-95, and fell to 11-13 and overall in 0-3 on this road trip. But the uh, fun news of the evening came prior to the game, about 6:15 Pacific time, when we learned that Anthony Davis and Tyreek Evans both were returning from injury last night. Of course, uh, the broken hand kept Davis out seven and a half games and just about 18 days uh, they did not start Davis last night, but he comes off the bench and promptly records the double-double, 24 points and 12 rebounds for AD. And then Tyreek Evans, who started slow last night, I think he was 0 for 7 from the field at one night, ended up recording his second career triple-double in his first game back from his ankle injury. Uh, Evans had 11 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists. So welcome back to those guys. Unfortunately, a loss last night at a sold-out Staples Center as the um, – uh, Clippers uh, basically took care of business almost in every quarter. 27-22 in the first, 25-23 in the second, 26-20 in the third, and then both teams scored 30 in the fourth. The Clippers led by 19 at one point, but the Pelicans uh, fought all the way through it and uh, we're learning to play together all over again with the full complement, aside from uh, Greg Steemsma. So we wish for a better result last night, but uh, I feel better and better about the core now of the Pelicans ball club, and with these guys healthy, let's hope for a better end of the road trip. With Portland and Sacramento still to come, and then that big game against Denver, finally at home on December the 27th. Let's uh, let's let you listen into some of the stuff that transpired post-game last night here in our first segment. Um, here's head coach Monty Williams following last night's ball game in Los Angeles. When you look back, coach, what do you put your finger on most in the loss tonight?
2: Well, they played. Better than we did in some aspects, but a, a number of things we did um, poorly um, you know there were times where we didn't finish we were 24 for 55 in the paint you know that that's typically not something we struggle with. Um, there were times where we contested a shot, they missed it, and the, the guy contesting the shot took off on the break and the ball comes right to us and we don't get it and then we filed at least three jump shooters tonight. Think it ended up being for two threes and one two, just gave them eight free throws. So, a number of uh, poor decisions on our part. But they they forced the issue, especially in the beginning of the third quarter. I think it was a 16 to eight run or something like that, and we never could get it close, uh, close enough where we felt good.
1: Coach, you you talk about the misses in the paint tonight. On this road trip now, you've you, you've shot less than 40% yeah. each of those games. Are you now concerned about scoring the ball a little bit? Mm-hmm. No, because we're getting open shots. I mean, Ryan uh,
2: had a number of open shots that he typically knocks down. Uh, Jason had a few layups tonight. Austin had some floaters. Um, I'm not, never concerned about that. I think it's, you know, it's disheartening to see that ball go in and out, but I know we can knock down shots. That's, that's what we do. Uh, two nights in a row we play solid defense. We just give up so many um, easy opportunities because we missed shots and they were able to convert. Tell us about working Davis and Evans back into your rotation. I just throw them in the fire. You know, there was really no, you know, me. If you're healthy, um, I'll put you back out there in your normal rotation. That's why I'm I'm really firm on not putting guys out there if they're not healthy because I don't want to do that. So those guys were more than willing to play their normal minutes. It was good to see you know, AD had a double double. I think Tyreek had a triple double. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a win to um, celebrate that with. Did you see any ill effects from Anthony Davis? Or? No, I didn't. I just he was active. Um, he, they both were a bit rusty in the first half, I thought, but in the third quarter, um, for the rest of the game, they looked like themselves again. And uh, we just got to learn how to play with each other again. We haven't had that lineup on the floor with Drew and Eric and Tyreek, A.D. and Ryan enough where they can start to figure each other out.
1: Of course, Coach Williams will speak extensively with us later on today. That will be the Monty Williams Show, which airs on Thursday nights at 8 on our flagship station of the New Orleans Pelicans radio network. That's 105.3 WWL-FM. Probably one of the things that I'll be asking him when I visit with him after this program is about the uh, shooting problems the Pelicans have had on this road trip. The first two games of the road trip, Pelicans shot just 40% on average from the field. And uh, last night, sure enough, right on the mark there, 39.8% at 37 of 93 against Los Angeles. Pelicans have been a team that has not had any trouble scoring the basketball, but yet trouble hitting shots on this road trip. And if they get that going and ramp the defense up like they did last night to some extent against the Clippers, we may have better results. Back to Davis for a moment. Before we get to the break, let's talk uh, with Anthony Davis and hear some of his thoughts following his first game back last night.
2: You got to you know, get back in the rhythm. You know, you out for a long time, you know, you can work out as much as you want, you know, uh, train as much as you want, but, you know, that game rhythm and you know, that game, game condition is a lot different, you know, so uh, hopefully it doesn't take me long to, you know, get the shot back, free throws back, you know, plays I usually make, uh, get back in the group. Made some tough shots, you know, um, got in the lane a lot. Um, we missed a lot of layups, you know, and they made them, so, uh, you know, just got to get back to what we're doing, you know, keep the ball out of paint. You know, we just didn't get back on defense tonight, you know, uh, especially when a shot was up. Got a lot of fast break, you know, turnovers, you know, um, bad shots, you know, which leads to transition. So, um, we just got to do a better job of shot selections and um, be more disciplined. All
1: right, again, as I mentioned today, the Monty Williams show will be recorded and up on your airwaves uh, later on tonight, 8 central time on WWLFM. Meanwhile, the Pelicans will not practice today after getting through the back to back. They'll travel to Portland and have a full practice tomorrow before meeting the Red Hot Trailblazers on Saturday night at 9 Central. Okay, still to come Mick Mixon, the voice of the Carolina Panthers, Jim Henderson, the voice of the Saints, and Jay Cicero, too. We'll get to those guests right after our first timeout.
0: NBA All-Star 2014 is coming to New Orleans with an exciting lineup. The BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge is your ticket to see the NBA's newest stars. On Friday, February 14th, the New Orleans Arena will play host as the rookies and sophomores team up to battle for bragging rights and make a name for themselves in the Big Easy. Tickets are on sale now through NBAevents.com for as low as $10. BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge, your ticket to see the NBA's newest stars.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We get our voices in today, of course, the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, upcoming. But uh, first, uh, happy to join us again is uh, Mick Mixon, the voice of the Carolina Panthers, as we get to round two between the Saints and the Panthers this weekend. And there is so much on the line. Mick, good morning. Uh, uh, it's going to be exciting on Sunday as, as you and I are talking, what, for the second time in a couple weeks about the game of the week in the NFL again.
3: No doubt. Tell Jim Henderson we said what's up when you talk to him. He's really a classy guy and one of the great guys in this little fraternity of of NFL announcers. And I always look forward to seeing him. Uh, Not so much Drew Brees, though. I'm very ready for Drew Brees to retire. I think he should go ahead and just take it on to the address and work on his community service and other philanthropy.
1: Some would say the same about Cam Newton these days as far as uh, not maybe wanting to be gracious host to him all that often. Um, You know, it's interesting, Mick, even though the Saints won the first time uh, 31 to 13, there's so much different here in just a short two-week period of time where both teams are looking at whether they're going to be the one, the two, the five, the six, the seating's all up in the air, and here with two weeks to go, the division itself can be balanced out this weekend, and yet both teams probably feel very differently than they did right after the last meeting between these two teams
3: hard to figure out because you would think the Saints would have the psychological advantage in this game having pasted the Panthers, sacked Cam Newton five times two weeks ago down in the Superdome, yet the Saints go on the road and they get roughed up by the Rams. Meanwhile, the Panthers demonstrate a good deal of, of psychological toughness in beating the Jets. It's hard to get the momentum back, Sean, in a game once you've lost it, you've had it, and you've lost it. The Panthers were able to do that against the Jets. It really looked like... The jets were going to win and, and or at least take the lead late, and you felt like, gosh that is the drain plug being pulled and is the panthers all the great wins the panthers strung together in October, November, and December is that all going to spin down the drain because difficult games remain, but the panthers were able to block a punt and then get a pick six and win the game, so you're right, two teams going in slightly opposite directions at least in the small sample size of of one game
1: almost maybe circling each other, and don't don't think I'm crazy for bringing this up. But Mick, when you when you speak like you did and like you do excuse me about how the Panthers uh take a step in maturity with regard to their game against the Jets, I almost look back and say they needed to lose the game to the Saints to take the next step.
3: Well, football's not an undefeated sport. It's not like high school and even sometimes in college. And I, I think there's some there's a little bit of science in what you're saying. Sometimes it does it, it can be a, a little bit of a relief of a pressure valve you can learn things about yourself you can get mad i mean you can football's one of the few sports that you, that it helps to play if you have kind of got a little bit of a mad on uh, golf tennis shooting pool a lot of other sports it's not recommended tends to decrease athletic performance but in football i think the panthers were really dieseled up couldn't wait to play again after being embarrassed by the Saint, by the um the new orleans saints and so um So both teams have identical goals. Both teams have identical records. It'll be almost like looking into a mirror at one another when these two teams meet on Sunday.
1: Mick Mixon, voice of the Carolina Panthers, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Mick, looking back to that first meeting between the two teams, who has more ground to cover, the Carolina defense or the Carolina offense, and how they fared against their counterparts on the New Orleans side?
3: probably about equal if we if were just totally honest with one another and didn't try to candy land shoots and ladders sugar it. we would just say that the game wasn't even close the panthers led six to nothing early two trips to the red zone had the ball for about eleven of the game's first fifteen minutes and only got six points so then drew Brees, they're able to slice and dice on down the field and just get one touch. all they got was one touchdown but then they they led i mean all that all the the, the the third down conversions, the yardage, the time of possession the Panthers had gotten in the first quarter seemed like it was just vacuous and didn't mean mean a thing. The Saints sacked Cam Newton five times, Sean. I mean, they, they won individual battles up front. I mean, Junior Gallet looked like Lawrence Taylor. Um, they have to be dealt with. The Panthers have to figure out the Panther offensive front and defensive front has to figure out how how is it going to be different? Because it sounds great to say, oh, the crowd, the emotion, the, the the home field, and the and all that 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 may get you. I mean, that may get a kickoff covered, but that's not going to win the game for you. The Panthers have to have a solid X's and O's plan and execute it, or else they won't win.
1: Mick, as everyone knows, the game's at your place this time around. Is there anything from your standpoint? that the Panthers do better at home than they do done on the road this year?
3: Well, no, not really. I think that's one of the, one of the joys about covering this Panther team has been how, how balanced they've been playing some good football on the road and some good football at home. This Panther team is a handful. Now, I'm not, I mean, um, looking at the offense, defense, special teams, trying to run it through as impartial a filter as possible. The Panthers are rugged, tough, can run, could mud if they had to, if they, if, they, if they were able to get into the playoffs and had to go win a bad-weather game, the Panthers are built to do that. Special teams has played well. The Panthers are kicking it, covering it, returning it. Uh, so so I think the Panthers are – I think that's one reason why Carolina has some, some national sex appeal as a team that could possibly win at Seattle if it should come to that. That's a million years in the future. But you know what I'm saying. The Panthers are kind of are built to be able to win games in a variety of ways, and that's been true to your question. It's been true at home this year and on the road.
1: Yeah, I love their balance. I really do. Mick, uh, you know, the Saints have obviously had some uh, interesting storylines this week. at left tackle, the kicker situation, whatnot. What about Carolina? Has it been relatively drama-free for the Panthers this week? Are they in kind Uh-oh. of a whole hum pattern?
3: No, 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 no. We got the, the most, uh, probably the most, uh, uh, the, the most talked-about uh, toe injury, in the history of, of science with Cam Newton nobody really knows what happened just oh, how's Cam's foot how's his toes he gonna be alright he practiced l- l- looking at in the last two days he's looked like he's moving around fine at practice uh, Steve Smith got uh, a- a jammed in the finger he-, he got stubbed up at practice uh day before yesterday and so he's he- 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 he's tough but still you need your hands obviously and fingers to catch the ball and play wide receiver Charles Johnson had flu-like symptoms other than that, though, it's a pretty healthy Panther football team.
1: Outstanding. You are very uh, gracious to join us again here on the Black and Blue Report. I wish you all the best, uh, except maybe your team on the field. I think we're all being honest with each other again. Um, but certainly, it's been a real treat to have you on both of the both the times these two teams have met, and sure is fun when these two teams meet up, and so much is on the line. Mick Mixon, voice of the Panthers. We thank you very much.
3: Thank you, Sean. It's been a pleasure.
1: Back with more on the Black and Blue Report, including the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, right after this quick timeout.
4: Are you ready for health reform? At Blue Cross, we're ready to help. Learn all you can about health reform at bcbsla.com slash reform. Here you'll find information on tax credits, health insurance options, answers to frequently asked questions, and a handy checklist to help you prepare. Visit us today at bcbsla.com slash reform and get ready.
5: Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association and is incorporated as Louisiana Health Service and
4: Indemnity Company. Make the holiday season extra special for your favorite sports fan by giving the gift of Pelicans basketball. The Pelicans Holiday Plan, presented by Austin Steakhouse, is the perfect stocking stuffer. With packages starting as low as $45, you can choose any five games, including the Heat, Thunder, and Clippers. Plus, with every holiday plan purchase, you'll receive a free $25 Austin Steakhouse gift card. Call 525 HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your holiday plan today.
0: Hardwood, hard ball, and hard knocks. This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: Jim Henderson will have the call this weekend, of course, of the Saints and Panthers. And your obstreperous host is pleased again to welcome in the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, on this Thursday. I got the word in, um, and uh, wasn't it, it in a per- broadcast. It was in the broadcast. Yes, it was. Oh, okay. Yes, it was. All right, proud um, of you. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. We'll get to our word of the day in a moment. I'm out here west, as you know, with the basketball team. Sure seems like it's been a whole hum week there in Saints Land, um, Jim. You've yeah, got no. a lot of you've got a lot of news items to cover this week.
5: Oh wow, incredibly so! With the the news yesterday of the changes at place kicker and left tackle, and I've been ruminating over that for quite some time. I've just written the open to the broadcast and what I'll do on the black uh, the black and gold breakdown on Fox 8 today and. Uh, I mean, this is unprecedented. Just one of these changes, I think, probably would have been unprecedented. But to do both of them uh, in the 15th game of the season with the division championship on the line, uh, under these circumstances, this is going to either look like an incredibly bold and smart move on the part of Sean Payton or an incredibly impetuous one.
1: When you left St. Louis after the loss, could you have envisioned changes this big? I mean, was it, did it seem obvious, or, or did you think they would kind of just try and reset themselves?
5: Well, you know, I think probably we might have expected a change at kicker, but then again, we didn't know who was out there. We didn't know who they had auditioned, um, how seasoned any of these guys were. So I think probably a, a change at kicker was one we might have anticipated. And Shane Graham has certainly uh, been around. I think he's been on the rosters of 14 different teams in the NFL. So uh, the fact that that Garrett Hartley, who'd been kind of on a short leash with Sean Payton for quite some time, was jettisoned, I don't think was as surprising as the fact that they would elevate Teron Armstead to such an important position. And you know what? Uh, Charles Brown had not been playing badly in the last three games. We've got some statistics that support that. Uh, in the last three games, he played very well, including against Carolina, Seattle, and Atlanta, hadn't allowed a sack. And then um, on Sunday, he's pulled at 8:34 left in the third quarter. So the fact that Tyrone Armstead Armstead would be elevated to that position against this team, uh, um, Hardy didn't have a single sack against Charles Brown when they played two weeks ago. Uh, I think that was the bit was the more surprise, and we talked about that quite a bit as a broadcast team after the game, what would they do? And uh, I think my feeling was it would be foolhardy to move Zach Streif over to left tackle and put Bryce Harris at right tackle because that, that would weaken you at two positions. So uh, Streif going back to, to right tackle um, doesn't surprise me. But I really thought they might give Charles Brown another chance uh, instead of – but apparently they've seen enough of and Armstead to think that the first snap he can ever take in the NFL um, – will allow him to play well this Sunday, and we shall see. I mean, um, in any event, you know, you'd like to think the Saints are in the playoffs. If Arizona loses to Seattle in Seattle, which is probably fairly likely the Saints are in the playoffs, but big difference between being the number two seed and the number five or six.
1: Jim, when, if this all works out the way that Sean Payton wants it to, this is just another chapter in the story that he's written about small school lesser-known guys Having success in his program, Armstead fits that bill.
5: That's true, and it also cements the legacy of uh, Sean Payton being a risk taker. He saw he saw that in the Super Bowl with ambush, the onside kick to begin the second half. Uh, he's always been one who's not afraid to not afraid to gamble, um, not afraid to uh, to um, to do whatever he thinks it's it's going to take to win the game. He's not a complacent football coach. And this is as big a gamble as I think anybody's ever taken in the NFL under these circumstances.
1: The Saints come in at 10-4, as do the Panthers, Jim, and the, the meeting number one went to uh, New Orleans in dominant fashion. Uh, it, it, do you expect this to, to – should we wipe the slate clean, I guess, is what I'm getting at with regard to meeting number two between these two teams?
5: Well, it's really interesting, I think, that you meet twice in three weeks. And um, not being in that locker room and not being in that – amongst that coaching staff, as an outsider, I would think the the, um, the advantage truly goes to the team that lost two weeks ago, because if you think about it, the Panthers can say, all right, here's what they did against us in, in their success, here's what we have to do to counter it, and when you're the Saints, what do you say in such a one-sided win in which they played so well in all respects, why should you change what has worked? Here's what we did last time, here's what we'll do again. So... To me, I think the advantage goes to the team that had lost, particularly the fact that they're home. Now, I hope I'm wrong, and I oftentimes am, so uh, I would be delighted to see the Panthers lose to the Saints on Sunday, but I think the advantage truly goes to them. and It's been well-documented how different a team the
1: Saints are on the road. Speaking of the road, there was quite a bit of self-admission after the loss to St. Louis that there are problems on the road with the New Orleans Saints. Jim, do you anticipate, have you heard anything about what they might change or do differently about their routine going into this all important road game?
5: I think probably just to refocus uh, on all the things that have made them successful when they've been on the road, here's some interesting stats for you. Since 2006, the Saints are 20 and 3 on the road when they score on their first possession of the game, they are 20 and 5 on the road when they score on the first possession of the second half, and they've done a horrible job about that. Recently, they have not scored on their initial possession of either half in their last eight games. Three missed field goals, ten punts, two interceptions, and a fumble. So, um, I don't know whether it'll pay off or not, but I think, I think certainly refocusing on the initial possession of each half is going to be important. Uh, generating turnovers would be great. I mean, the Saints have just not taken the ball away at all in the last half of the season to speak of. And um, so I think those are the things they'll refocus on. And you know, too, Sean, I think this is another big part of the gamble that could either pay off or blow up in Sean Payton's face. You know, if you want it and he says, no, this is not meant for psychological reasons. And yesterday, Drew Brees kind of um, said that, yeah, well, this got everybody's attention. Nobody's job is safe. And I think this might be another uh, bold move under the circumstances. I mean, it's two games, you're two games away from handling these guys, and uh, could there be an element of complacency sitting in, even though the stakes are so huge? Well, you know, we took care of these guys last time. We will again. Um, This certainly shakes things up, and uh, if there is any element of complacency, and there probably shouldn't be under these circumstances, but maybe there was an element of complacency last week against the Rams, and uh, that certainly can't be a part of the preparation for this one. Uh, considering how big the stakes are and how much the team has been shaken up in a couple of areas.
1: Interesting stuff, and especially that road number about your ability to score to start halves and especially at the start of the game. I know I'll have that in my brain now as I watch on Sunday. Jim, I've been to Charlotte many times for basketball. I've never been for football. What's it like to play at Carolina?
5: It's really nice. Uh, It's one of our best vantage points. The fans, I think, are nice, really nice. I love the stadium. I love our situation. They've always been competitive games. And these two teams are, uh, are are very even in their in their series down through the years. Um, very hospitable people. I don't know if I've ever will ever see it in quite the uh, quite the state that it's going to be in this week because uh, they haven't been I don't think for the playoffs since 2008, and uh, with the division championship on the line. It will probably be easily the most energized crowd and most vocal crowd the Saints have ever faced there.
1: Voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. The call on Sunday, of course, for Saints and Panthers. Great stuff, Jim. Um, let's get to our word of the week, a tradition unlike any other. Um, I was able to get up streperous in last week. Um, I'm hoping you had success with Guga.
5: I did. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm, certainly did. You yeah, mentioned that uh, Hokie was probably out shopping for some Guga's for his family. Uh, last week in st louis and i'm sure he was
1: well done did he have any clues to what you were speaking of
5: no no but that's usually the case in the course of the broadcast
1: (laughs) i love it all right what do you have for me this week i've got a couple of games to try and slide it in
5: so this is the way it works now you'll have two games in which to get this in and i only get one shot is this fair
1: well you know the stage that you're on at the nfl jim uh, and uh, and the longer broadcast that you have on Sundays, I, I think this all evens out. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> all
5: right. Okay. All right. I, that's fair enough. All right. But I've got to warn. I've got to warn you. You know Edwin, the the photographer for Fox Eight, uh, the sports photographer.
1: I do. Wonderful.
5: You know Edwin, the big sports photographer for Channel Eight.
1: Yes. You've seen him. Yes, I know well, all, all about him. Yes.
5: <laughs> You'd recognize. He's a with a really high voice.
1: <laughs> Uh, I I can't go into it. I can't go into the David West imitation of him. That's a whole other show. But go ahead. (laughs) I digress. Well,
5: he's kind of become attuned to this, and he has presented me with an early Christmas gift. It's called the Horoloseon. It's a book of um, lost words of the English language. I mean, I have a treasure trove of lost words of the English language with which to torment you for the rest of the season. But... In view of that, because it is such an outrageous, uh, outrageous move on my part, because there's no way you're going to get any of these words. And I'm going to make it an easy one for you. And this is a, this is an, a modern word, oleaginous.
1: See, every, every week you do this, and I, I, I prove how dumb I am, because I have no clue what that means.
5: <laughs> well, that's what dictionaries are for,
1: boy. I know. You better spell it for me so I can go look it up for this weekend's games.
5: O l. E-A-G-I-N-O-U-S.
1: O-L-E-A-G. I, I, I want,
5: I be, yeah, oleaginous. Okay, and I became acquainted with the word when I saw um, a television reviewer use it in regards to a former CBS sports host who will remain nameless. So once you um, once you look it up, uh, perhaps you can get the connection. Oleaginous.
1: Oleaginous. I got and it. And your
5: word for and your word for me is.
1: Uh, I have a lot of vowels involved. Um and it, <laughs> and it may fit well this weekend for you. Uh, All right. Philipendulous.
5: Oh, now you're going to have to spell that one for me.
1: All right. F I L I L I F I L I L I P E N D U N Yes. D U L O U S. I don't think you're going to find that on Wheel of Fortune.
5: F I L, right? Yes. I. Yes, sir. E E N.
1: P is in Patrick. U
5: L O U S.
1: Yes, sir. Philip Pendulous.
5: Philip, did I hear a P in there? Philip Pendulous.
1: Yes, sir. That's a P. That's F I L I P, as in Paul. E N D U L O U S.
5: Philip Pendulous. Is that right?
1: Yes, sir. Philip Pendulous.
5: Gonna Pendulous. And you're going to spell it for me again because I'm not sure I got it all. F-I-L-I-P.
1: E-N-D-U-L-O-U-S. Philip Close, yeah.
5: <laughs> all right. All right, this is going to be a real
1: challenge now. Oleangelus. Oh, I didn't even pronounce that right, did I? No, you
5: got it. Oleaginus.
1: Yeah. Oleaginus and Philipendulous. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yes. Well, I'm glad that Edwin's involved because like I'm not Greek,
5: sure. You know, it kind of sounds like a Greek law
1: firm, doesn't it? Y- yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, I don't know what their motto would be, but you could take it from there. Um, and one more thing before I let you go, since um, this is our last to visit before, hopefully, a Merry Christmas to you and your family. Jim, I wanted you to share with our listeners the story you shared with me earlier in the season about your Christmas Day attire and how that tradition we should share with others on this program.
5: Well, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Christmas Vacation. We watch it as a family every year to get us in the mood for the Henderson family Christmas. And I think my kids can recite every word of the dialogue. Um Verbatim, but a couple of years ago i I asked my son, and uh, he wanted to know what I wanted for Christmas, and I said, You know what I would really like would be the the Chicago Blackhawk hockey jersey that um, Chevy Chase wears around in the movie with Griswold down the back. and so I have a uh, I have a Chicago Blackhawk jersey with Griswold down the back, and I couldn't remember his number, and my son looked it up. it was zero appropriately. So during the Christmas holidays, whenever the family's there, I'm always attired in my uh, Sparky Griswold Chicago Blackhawks uh, official game jersey, and uh, it's become quite the tradition.
1: Uh, And it is only you. That is so perfect. I love it. Jim, Merry Christmas to the Hendersons. Um, Good luck this weekend. Have a great call, and I hope you have a blessed Christmas as well. To the
5: Kellys as well. Have a safe road trip. Look forward to seeing you when you get back.
1: Thank you, sir. Jim Henderson, voice of the Saints, will here with us on the Black and Blue Report. Stay tuned. Jay Cicero is next in the program after a quick timeout. Hey
0: there. What you have? Um, what kind
4: of specials do you have today?
0: Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm gonna hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini.
4: Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report on this Thursday. Our thanks to Mick Mixon already, the voice of the Carolina Panthers, and Jim Henderson, the voice of the Saints, for being on with us. Pelicans basketball takes a bit of a break to travel today to Portland. We had already recapped their loss last night in Los Angeles. And here in this segment, we turn our attention to the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation. Jay Cicero heads that up, and he joins us on the telephone here. His first appearance on the Black and Blue Report. Good morning, Jay.
6: Good morning, Sean. How are you?
1: I'm well, congratulations twenty five years. Can you believe it?
6: No, I can't. Uh, I actually started with the organization twenty three years ago. so uh, i'm uh, i'm I'm feeling a little old thinking about twenty five years uh, of existence for the organization, but uh, we've had a we've had a great run.
1: Are you nostalgic in any way? Is there something that really stands out over those years?
6: oh well i'm I'm very nostalgic, uh, uh, especially when it comes to uh, special events and their meaning in New Orleans. and and, uh, you know, I was hired the day we were awarded the Olympic Track and Field Trials. Uh, so in December of 1990, I was I was hired, and uh, uh, the 92 Track and Field Trials were just an amazing event that brought this whole new light uh, to what uh, New Orleans could be as far as special events, and it it gave us a focus and a vision of what the Sports Foundation could be and we were just a 2 3 person operation back then uh that expanded out to uh to do this incredible event and you know Doug Thornton took on the job of renovating Tad Gormley Stadium prior to the uh prior to the Olympic trials uh yeah he used all that in his future life uh, uh at at the Superdome but uh we've uh uh you know we've grown quite a bit since then and 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 we really saw the potential there so that was the, the you know the big one that that gave us the vision of what the organization could be and you know starting and, and biting off events like uh the super bowl in 97 uh, gosh we've done three super bowls now three men's final fours three women's final fours four bass masters classics uh three aau junior olympics and numerous numerous other uh major and and minor events over the past 25 years so we're just excited about you know, what we've been able to accomplish and what the future is also.
1: Jay Cicero joins us uh, with the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation. Jay, I think that most folks, I guess, have an idea or a thought of what you all are, um, but maybe more specifically to uh, enrich my knowledge of the situation, you know, who funds who funds the organization? How much does the organization really, I guess, play into the gaining of these events for our city? Um that it's almost as if they're a silent entity in a lot of ways because I hear a lot of people take credit for these things, but yet I kind of have an idea that you all are the engine behind the whole deal.
6: Well, we play we play a major role in in, in most of the major sporting events in town. You know, with the exception of the you know the Sugar Bowl uh, because you know they've been around for eighty years and they do a fantastic job. And and the the Zurich Classic, uh, you know, they've been around for for. Over 50 years uh, uh, as a as a host for for PGA tournaments here, and and uh, you know they do a great job also. But it, the the majority of the of the other major events uh, we are uh, that that are one-off, uh, uh, such as a Super Bowl or men's and women's final fours uh, uh, and and these other major events that that come to town every once in a while, uh, we are behind or partnered with. Uh, you know, uh, uh, sports entities in New Orleans, such as the Saints or the Pelicans, for the, like the NBA All-Star Game coming up in, in February, or or the uh, University of New Orleans, uh, Tulane University, and the Sugar Bowl for all the NCAA championship events. Uh, so you know, but but really, we're the we're the one group that is behind uh, uh, almost every one of those events, no matter what they are, professional or amateur that is uh, working daily to not only bid upon these events, but to manage them. And so it's our job to work with these national governing bodies or the owners of the events to figure out what events are available for bid, do all the behind-the-scenes work, uh, and, and work with our partners in the community uh, uh, on that. Uh, if all everything lines up and, and, and we think that, we can fit it in new orleans during that during the certain years that it's available then we'll put together the bid presentation and in some instances we'll actually make the bid presentation uh and then uh if it's awarded to new orleans uh then we sign all the contracts uh with that event rights holder and then it becomes our job to go raise all the money necessarily necessary to fulfill all the obligations in the bids uh so those and then to execute everything operationally, you know, from volunteers to transportation to uh, minority women on business programs to, uh, you know, everything associated with uh, that particular event. So, you know, we're, we're an ongoing marketing and event management group uh, uh, that uh, is a nonprofit and does it on behalf of the state and city.
1: Jay, let's work forward a little bit. I'm out here out west with the uh, the basketball team. And I read that the New Orleans Bowl coming up has now eclipsed the fifty five thousand mark for tickets sold for that game. That's got to be a record, isn't it?
6: And it? It absolutely is a record, uh, and uh, you know that's the one event on our calendar that is year in and year out. Uh, and it's this is our thirteenth uh, annual New Orleans Bowl, and uh, it's hard to believe that it's, that we started it back in two thousand one, uh, and it has grown uh, to this uh to this size uh uh you know in thirteen years, but you know mainly uh this year if it's because Tulane is in the game and and the green wave is is playing lafayette's raging Cajuns uh uh this weekend and and uh you know there's a real positive feeling about this this event and this matchup and it's it's being shown and proven through the amount of ticket sales that have uh that we've had so far so uh, you know that that number is a record already, and uh, we still got a couple of days ago. Uh, but we're just excited as can be to have Tulane back in back in in, in their first bowl in, in eleven years, and uh, and and uh, Lafayette brings a huge crowd, and they've got a great program, a great coach, two great coaches here, CJ and and Hutzpith are two of the best coaches around, and. Um, you know, we're just we're just in a great position this year to be able to have uh, you know the champion of the Sun Belt with with the Raging Cajuns and, and Tulane back in it uh, for the first time in a long time, back being bowl eligible and uh, uh, you know playing playing at home and and it just gives us a great opportunity to not only have a great crowd but to also. Uh, promote these two programs uh, uh, especially Tulane uh, you know coming back uh, and, and going into their new stadium next year.
1: I'm tickled to death for Tulane I, I actually had the radio call the last time they were in a bowl game and then while you have a national television audience for the New Orleans Bowl Jay uh, looking forward now uh, will this regional type matchup best suit the New Orleans Bowl?
6: Well, you know, it always has uh, uh, been the best suit. This has just been the dream matchup that we've always looked for and have waited on for for 13 years. Um, but uh, you know, the New Orleans Bowl has always had the vision of being regional, and uh, we have extended our contracts with Conference USA and the Belt Conference uh, for six years, uh, beginning next the uh, next next year, and. Uh, the concept is still the same: is that we want we want a regional uh, uh, matchup that will bring the most people to town, and will deliver a a, a nice television audience, uh, and uh, will will give us something that is important in the hospitality community, uh, uh, you know, for uh, that year. So I mean, it's traditionally a very very slow time uh, in New Orleans, and uh, you know, there's 20 25,000 people coming over from Lafayette. Uh, obviously, a lot of Tulane fans are, are are local. Well, you got some alumni coming in for the game, uh, uh, but everybody's going to be downtown having a great time. And and you know, we've created a lot of special events around uh, around the game over the past 13 years. The biggest of which is uh, a concert at a free concert uh, at Champion Square, and that's taking place Friday night. Uh, and uh, it's Charlie Daniels Band and Travis Tritt. so we went country this year. Last year we had the Beach Boys. Uh, this year we we took a country theme, and and we've um, uh, you know opened the doors, and anybody who wants to come is is invited. Uh, but having you know Lafayette with twenty thousand strong, and then everybody from Tulane uh, who, who's excited about the program come down and enjoy this as part of the uh, uh, as part of the. Uh, Uh, celebration for the new orleans ball is just really it's really going to be special
1: this year yeah real nice pop for uh, the city at this time of year jay cicero from the greater new orleans sports foundation is with us here on the black and blue report jay the uh, nba all-star game you're bringing it back here to new orleans uh, come february i gotta ask you how do you top the way it was in 08 it was such a tremendous weekend in 08 um I, i just it seems like a real challenge to make it that special all over again
6: well, uh, you know, it, it has been six years, uh, and the All Star Game is a, a special event, uh, a special, special event for us. Uh, you know, the NBA uh, Commissioner Stern, you know, uh, State of Louisiana, uh, SMG, everybody, and the team, the Hornets back then, worked very, very hard to to, uh, to get that event here, and it was actually awarded uh in 2006 uh for 2008 so it was a you know that was a time period when there was a lot of question marks about New Orleans and whether or not we'd be able to host you know, we had the confidence that that we could do it but uh you know everyone else around the country was still questioning whether or not New Orleans could come back and and, and really host something of that magnitude and uh you know the NBA made the commitment had the faith in us and 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 we delivered uh uh, and the sports Foundation played a major role in that because the hornets were when it was awarded the hornets were still displaced in Oklahoma City, so we kind of served as the as the host team uh and the host organization uh for that event and and were able to create a very special relationship with the n b a because of that and uh you know we attend the all star game every year, no matter where it is. And talk about you know talked to a commissioner and talk to uh, 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 the new commissioner Adam Silver who was the associate commissioner prior to uh, uh, this this coming uh, uh, February, and he is uh, uh, they both you know pledged you know that if you're competitive you know we w- we want to bring it back so we were there every year knocking on the door, and when the when the Pelicans uh, uh, or the Hornets were purchased by Mr. Benson and, the fam- and his family. Um, you know, we had all we we had basically set it up to say, okay, if this team is purchased, we didn't know that Mr. Benson was going to purchase it. Was if this team is purchased, um, and when this team is purchased, uh, we want we we told the NBA we want to be poised to host the event again. So they immediately made it part of the deal and the governor. Uh, negotiated that and and mr benson negotiated that with the nba as part of it and we were awarded 2014 so we were very excited to be hosting it again and six years later and that's about the right time for the nba all-star to 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 come back to a to another city a previously host host city and it um you know it's just fun it's a fun event it's it's not for the championship of the world it's you know, it's an entertainment weekend that is very special. 1,600 members of the media come and cover it, uh, and there'll be you know tens of thousands of people in town uh, enjoying the uh, the excitement that only an NBA All Star game can bring.
1: Yeah, no doubt it'll have a it'll have us on an international stage. That's for sure. Jay, one more thing before I let you go. And I know it's been talked about by you and others, but the thought of the having the Super Bowl back to help this city celebrate its 300th anniversary. Uh, is it realistic? How can we get that done?
6: Well, it's 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 realistic. Uh, uh, it, it was going to be very difficult um, uh, to do, and you know our competition is Minneapolis and Indianapolis, and and on on paper, you know, and if you you know all New Orleanians would say would be Indianapolis and Minneapolis, we should be a shoe in, uh, we've hosted it ten times, uh, but Minneapolis has a new stadium that's coming online and the NFL has traditionally awarded the Super Bowl to new stadium cities. We've seen that with Indianapolis in 2012. We saw it with Detroit a few years ago. We've seen it with uh New York this coming February uh because of their new stadium. Um and so that's uh you know that's something that's real uh and and out there. So Minneapolis has that. And Indianapolis hosted it in, in 2012, like I said. And they are are uh, really putting together a strong bid to get it back. You know? So the competition's fierce, and they want it back badly, and, and, and they've, uh, they've focused on 2018. Uh, it is our tricentennial the, 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 of the city of New Orleans, and, and you know, that uh, uh, is very enticing or very inviting, I guess, to be able to bid. It's not going to win us the bid. We know that we have to be very competitive uh, financially, and it has to be a, a great deal and very creative. Uh, that, uh, and, and, and it's our job to work with the New Orleans Saints to put together a bid that is uh, uh, inviting to the NFL owners, uh, competitive uh, with the other cities, and uh, will entice them to, to vote for New Orleans. So, uh, uh, you know, we're working on that mid-May. Is, is the uh, final presentation, uh, and and there's a number of steps in between now and mid May that uh, uh, deadlines that we have to hit on information and and uh, and and, and uh, our bid and enhancements and everything else that goes along with it. So it is a business proposition, and that's really what we do. We put together business propositions to get these events to New Orleans. And They just don't award them to us anymore because we've got the French Quarter and a bunch of hotel rooms and the Superdome. That's nice uh, uh, out there, but it is is now a a real business, and and we've uh, fortunately been been around 25 years and have all this experience and and knowledge to be able to put forth uh, uh, competitive bids for for this and hopefully uh, other major events.
1: Well, Jay, congratulations on the Foundation's Silver Anniversary. All the best in what's to come, and, uh, and congratulations on this uh, very, very special New Orleans Bowl coming up. Appreciate your time today, and I'm glad that you joined us today.
6: Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it, and congratulations on the Black and Blue Report. I think it's wonderful.
1: Thank you very much. Jay Cicero heads up the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation. His first time with us here, and I'm sure we'll have him back soon enough because uh, they keep churning out all kinds of good news for our city. Back to wrap up this Thursday edition of the black and blue report right after this
4: okay you've just been told you have a serious heart issue congestive heart failure a valve problem a complex rhythm disorder now what at Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research when you do you'll find Ochsner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News and World Report We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is,
6: I just saw your test results and they look great, no problems.
4: Leading edge care. Just one more reason to choose an auctioner affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1 866 auctioner. That's O C H S N E R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind.
0: Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report.
1: Well, the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers continue their preparations today for their showdown on Sunday in Carolina. Both teams go into that one at 10-4, as we mentioned earlier in the program, and a lot is at stake, to say the least, not only with the division, but also the uh, playoff seating coming up in the NFC. Uh, Much like Drew Brees speaks to the media in New Orleans on Wednesday, Cam Newton does the same on Wednesdays in Carolina, this was Newton talking about the meeting between the Panthers and the Saints just two weeks ago.
6: It's just overall game play. You know, as an offense, we didn't get the job done. Uh, we put our defense in, 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 in compromised situations, you know, being that those guys are very lethal and dangerous at home, you know, especially as an offense for those for those guys. Uh, for, for us, you know, we didn't play Panther football offensively and from the lips of it, special teams or – uh, you know, as a defense. We're a better team than what we showed that day,
3: and we have an opportunity to prove that come Sunday.
1: And of course, Cam and the Panthers were winners last weekend, and so they've won now nine of their last ten. And Newton spoke to the uh, mood of the locker room in Carolina heading into this showdown with New Orleans.
6: Everyone is excited to, to seize this moment come game day. Uh, we're going to need everybody's, um, you know, help in doing that, from our fans to, you know, great coaches to great players, you know, making plays. Uh, it's not any different than any game that we we haven't been prepared for this year. Um, and, and a lot of guys are excited to you know see this opportunity and make the most of it.
1: So plenty more on the big game tomorrow. Daniel Salerson will be hosting the Black and Blue Report. We'll also take a national look at the NFL with Jim Corbett from USA Today. have a lot more for you as we ramp up to this big, big weekend. Not only for the Saints and the Panthers, but for the Patriots and the Ravens and several other ball clubs around the NFL with just two games to play on the regular season schedule. As you mentioned, we'll be traveling on the Pelican side today, and then I'll next talk to you on Saturday night when the Pelicans take on the Portland Trailblazers. Our thanks to Mick Mixon today, Jim Henderson, Daniel Salerson, Jay Cicero, and a cast of others in helping us bring uh, together the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Uh, We'll say this, I'm ready to be home to say the least, but we have uh, many more miles to go. So that'll do it for us from Los Angeles this morning. We hope you are all well wherever you may be listening today, especially those of you in the Crescent City ramping up for a big black and gold weekend. Thanks for joining us. And I'm Sean Kelly saying so long for just a while.